This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Oh, hardship of getting up or sitting down or whatever I'm going through. Ain't no mavado. There's only Hashem. And there was many stories. There was many stories in the um, in the Holocaust where they were crossing borders at night and there were guards. And, and there's a famous story. I don't know who it was. He said, "Ain't no mavado" under his breath, and they walked right past the Germans. They didn't see him. Because if, if, if there's only Hashem, then I'm not here. If I'm not here, how could they see me? So Eino Movado is, uh, is very, very big. You have, to, you have to mean it, though, not just say it, right? Eino Movado, there's nothing else but him. Eino Movado, there's nothing else but him. Yeah. Oh, we have to... Uh, the Ruth gets the section, uh, A section, seat number three. Okay. All right. Oh, this week's Pasha, Pasha Shlach. We got into big trouble in this week's Pasha. Big trouble the Jews got into this week's Pasha. In fact, in fact, Hashem never forgave us for the Miraglim. We made the Egel. We made, we, we served an idol. Hashem forgave us. Whatever we did in the midbook, Hashem forgave us. When it came to the Miraglim, Hashem said, you're all dying. Not one of you except Kalev. And Yoshua are going into Eretz Yisrael. I don't forgive any of you. Avoid the Zara serving an Egel, right? And the, the golden calf is much worse than saying, I'm scared of the giants, I'm scared of going into Eretz Yisrael. Why would there be such a punishment for this unfor- unforgiven, being scared to go into Eretz Yisrael, and the Egel, what Hashem say? Hashem salachti kidvorecha. I forgive you according to your prayers. You forgave us for the Egel. But he never forgave us for, um, he never forgave us for the Miraglim. Not only did he forgive us for the Miraglim, but Hashem said, you cried for the Miraglim that night with Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of Av. You cried tonight for nothing. I'll give you a reason to cry until Mashiach comes. Both based on Midrash were destroyed on Tisha B'Av. I think the whole Holocaust started maybe not even on Tisha B'Av. I'm not sure. Um, World War One, A bunch of different stuff. The Inquisition, right. A bunch of different stuff. So what's so bad about being scared to go up against a bunch of giants that Hashem never forgave us? And the answer is, we wrote a whole book on it. God doesn't forget ingrates. Ingrates means a person who is not thankful, who doesn't have gratitude. Ingrate, not doesn't have gratitude. A person who is a kafwe toe, has no appreciation, that person is not forgiven. How do we know this? We go back, 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 to Pasha Beratius. Right? So, Hashem came to Adam, and he said, Who told you? Why are you hiding? Sorry, why are you hiding? Let me turn off my phone. Why are you hiding? Because um, I know that I'm not dressed. Hashem said, how do you know you're not dressed? Right? How do you know you're not dressed? He said... Okay, where is it? Okay. Let's read it from inside. She eats from the tree. But Yishma has called Hashem Elokim Mitzalach by God. They get dressed. Hashem says, Ayeka, where are you? And Adam says, I'm hiding because I know I'm not dressed. How do you know that you're not undressed? Who told you? 
Did you eat from the tree? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? What should he be answered? Yes. Yes. Is that what he answered? No. What did he answer? Vayomer. Ha'adam. The man said, Ha'isha. Nobody asked you who gave it to you. Who asked you who gave it to you? Hashem said, did you eat from the tree? He should have said yes, but no. What did he do? He threw it back in Hashem's face. He said, sort of, it's not my fault. Why? Ha'isha. Ha'isha. The woman that you put with me, she gave me to eat from the tree. So his punishment, Adam's punishment for saying that, let's go to Rashi. Rashi says, The woman that you gave to me to be with me, Khan here to Gemara and Avaydazara, Hey Amar Beis, Khan Kafa he was kaifatayv. Hashem asked him, did you eat from the tree? He should have said yes. What did he say? The lady that you gave to me because I was lonely, she caused this whole thing to happen. So he threw in Hashem's face the good that Hashem did because Hashem saw before that all the animals had someone to talk to. And loneliness is the, is the hardest thing in the world. It's, it's an unbelievable thing. Um, the Torah tells us that Hashem created Adam and he had all the animals as, as company in the world. And Hashem said, no, it's not working. He's, he's lonely. I have to create him an Isha to be with him. So we see that Hashem saw in the beginning of the world that a person who's lonely doesn't work. So he created an Isha, right? So it's sort of what, what he said to, um, what he, what he said to Hashem is sort of if you, your kid comes to you and says, Mommy, can I have ice cream? And you buy, you buy, you go out and you buy this kid a beautiful ice cream on a cone, right? And, um, the kid spills the ice cream all over his brand new Shabbat shirt on his way to the bar mitzvah and it's all over his suit and all over his shirt, right? Um, and then the mother says, look what you did to your shirt. And the kid looks up at his mother and says, not my fault, Ma, it's your fault. She's like, my fault? If you wouldn't have bought me the ice cream, it wouldn't be on my shirt. I bought you the ice cream, and now you're throwing it back in my face? I bought you the ice cream, so you should be happy. Now you're telling me it's my fault because I bought you the ice cream? What kind of ingrate are you? That's a call the coffee tub. I went ahead, and now you're throwing it back in my face? So Adam, what he did, is he went ahead, and he answered Hashem, It's your fault that I ate from the tree. The lady you created to be with me, the ice cream, look what she did to me. It's your fault. Hashem said, oh, if you would have answered, I asked you, did you eat from the tree? You would have said yes. Adam would not have been punished. But because he was a kafoi toiv, he got punished forever. Interesting, one of the punishments that he got was that he would have to work for the rest of his life. Sort of mida kinege mida, because when he was in Ganeiden, before this whole thing happened, he did not have to work. Everything just grew. He didn't have to do anything. So now, oh, so you don't appreciate what I'm giving you for free. Now you're going to have to work for it. So the rest of his life, he had to work. Right? So that was his punishment forever. I'm going to forgive him for what he said. We got punished forever that a man has to go to work. I tell everyone who runs out of shul in the morning. Guys run out of shul. They're in a big rush. I'm like, you're running to the curse? The curse is to go to work. Mr. Meshiga, you're in the bracha, you're in shul, you're right. It's a curse. To go to work is a curse. We were cursed as human beings that we have to go to work. 
we don't just get things, you know, we can't sit and learn and things are growing in Gan Eden and, 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 right? So, so, you're running to the curse. Where are you running? Stay in shul another 10 minutes. Where are you going? Wait, wait, why are you running? People get, uh, they get clamped with their job. Their job is everything. My job, my job, my job. I can't go here, I can't go there. I have a job and my job, my job. It's your curse. Don't be so orangutan. Don't get so into your curse. I'm not saying have, I'm not saying they don't have to be there on time. So go to shul a half an hour earlier, right? Right, but so is davening. Davening is also work. It's called avoda. Shul is called avoda. First, take care of that work. Then take care of another work. Don't worry. You're right. If you have a job, you have to be there. So instead of going to the seven o'clock minion and running out, go to the six thirty minion. Don't run out. Yes. I'm just curious. There's a lot of lonely people in the world today. There's a song like that. People All the lonely people. You know that song? Yeah. So why is it now he allows people to be alone? Are we being punished because of what he did? He didn't appreciate him. I mean, there's a lot of women without men, men without women, and it's a terrible feeling. Right? If you have a friend, you're not alone either. It doesn't mean you have to be married. No. A person has friends and and and. They're not alone. It's not the same. I'm not telling you it's the same. You know, there's, there's no question. I think that the greatest, the greatest um, challenge for girls, and and I've had this discussion, and you know, I don't think that Ornava is doing enough for for shiduchim. We just don't have we just don't have the money to hire shiduchim and to do you know shabbosim with you know with shiduchim. We don't have the money to do it. But there's no question. Um, that no matter what kind of shir I'm going to give, no matter how many shirim you go to and you watch, you keep coming home and being alone in your room and looking at the four walls. After a while, you just—it's just going to be very hard. So um, yeah, we daven, we daven that everyone should find the shirach and that um, at least not to be alone, to feel to have friends. At least you know it's not the same. I'm not saying it's the same, but at least you know loneliness is—I I can't tell you what it is because I. I don't live in, I don't live in it, um, but it's, according to the Chumash, it's probably the most painful thing. I should have to create a woman. You have to make another creation after creation. So you know, there's a lot of other pain, there's a lot of, a lot of pain, there's a lot of different pains in the world. So it's, uh, we don't, we, you have to come to realize that we don't understand, um, what, what, you know, what Hashem does. And once you realize that, ain't no Mavado, there's no one else but Him. But, we had a little boy in first grade, and we said, where's Hashem? And he said, in here. So if you have him in here, you're never alone. You're never alone. You're never alone. If he's up there, you're alone. But if he's in here, you're not alone. Right. Even Rabbi Wallstein, who's married, Hashem has children and does all what I do, there are times that I feel very alone. I'm, I'm driving in a situation, whatever it is, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and... You know, I'm driving home and I just dealt with something crazy and I drive down these streets in Flatbush and everyone's sleeping and everything's good and I'm like, oh my God. You know, I was in a psych ward today in a hospital and you shouldn't wish it on anybody, whatever it was. And this girl that's there has no family that's visiting her. Nobody's visiting her. She's very alone. So I realized that more painful than what happened to her would put her in the psych ward is that she's very alone. So I went today, not to blow, whatever, and it just meant so much to her, and she called me like 40 times since then, that you know, that you came to visit me. Just not to feel like, 
to feel like you're alone. But if you have a connection, she has a sitter, and she davens, and what this kid went through, and she picks up, it's unbelievable, she picks up the sitter. You're watching, I just daven, Mincha, I spoke to Hashem, I love him, he's so special, he's amazing, I'm like, I don't even come to her little toes, what she went through, the trauma, and she's still connected to Hashem, and he's amazing, I just daven, Mincha, I'm like, and what is this, a special sitter, like, I'm like, no, it's not a special sitter. You're special. No, you gave me a magic sitter. I'm like, I didn't give you a magic sitter. You, David Mincha, and you connect. Not the sitter. No, she, she's been there never for five, six days already, but she has a sitter, and she, she told me, she said, uh, you know, you're in your room by yourself, whatever it is. She says, I, I said, you're very lonely. I asked her, are you very lonely? She said, you know, I like when you come visit me, but, but I have a sham. I have a sham. She's 26 years old. I have a sham. So if you have a share, I don't know. I walked out of there, and I was like, I don't know how you go through trauma, and, and, and you're an atheist. Because if you don't have a Shem, I don't know how you make it. How do you make it? Like, how do you make it? Or how do you make it? So we're never really alone. If we're really connected, we're never really alone. But everyone should have Shiduchim, and everyone, no, one should ever, no one should ever feel alone. Yeah, 100%. The Terry is telling us that it's not for a person to be by himself. They need somebody else. Right. Some people like to, once in a while you need to be by yourself. Sometimes. I was, um, I was in Bear Mountains last week. I, I actually, I went to visit this girl and there was a situation in the psych ward that even Reverend Wallstein could not handle. Uh, I'm going to talk about it on Tisha B'Av, actually not right now. But um, I, I walked out of there and it's very hard to shake me up. And I was so shaken up. Not with this girl, another person that was there, whatever, was so... So I got into my car. I got in my car, Long Island Jewish, so it's in Long Island, right? I got into my car. And I drove straight to Bear Mountains, nonstop. I'm like, I need to talk to God. I'm not happy what I saw. I have a place in Bear Mountains which is at the top of the mountain, and no, I'm not telling you where it is. No, no visitors allowed. It's the top of the mountain, and it's on a rock where you could see 500 miles of forest and lakes. And I, I always took my class climbing. I'm a big Bear Mountain guy, a big... So for years and years, since I'm, since I'm a little kid, because I live in Muncie, so we, we so, you know, there's, there's waterfalls and deers and beers and, and snakes and all the things that I love. And um, so, yeah, I love them. I love all of them. So, yeah, they're beautiful. What? called Bear Mountain. Hello. Anyway, Baruch Hashem, I'm going there for 40 years. I never saw a bear. I never saw a bear. But I saw a lot of snakes and deer. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Hashem's Bria, Hashem's creation is, is, is such, for me, it's such a connection. So anyway, while I was one of those chips, I found this spot. And there's really pretty much no one there. It's magnificent. So whenever I have, whenever I can't deal with stuff and I have to sort of throw up emotionally, so I go up there where there's nobody and I could scream Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elohim. I could say, God, I'm very upset at you. I don't understand you. Why did you do this? If he's your father, then you can talk to him anyway. And you can talk. If, you, if you're only like, you're the, you're the king, you're the king, you're the king, you're my father, you're great, you're great. But inside you're like, I can't believe what you just did to this person and that person, that person, that's not your father. So you have to be able to talk. Moshe Beno spoke. In last week's passion, Moshe Beno said, kill me. I can't do this anymore. I can't carry them on my back anymore. Hashem tells you to carry me, telling you, I, I can't do it anymore. And he said something very fascinating, Moshe Ben Alatsi's Pasha. He said, what? Hashem, what? I conceived them? They're my children? 
What do you want from my life? I can't do it anymore. Kill me. So what do you get from that? Oh my gosh, he was really upset. So Chazal said something amazing. What was Moshe Rabbeinu telling every parent? That I'm only saying I can't do it anymore because I didn't conceive them and I'm not their parent. But if I was their parent and I did conceive them, I would, of course I would carry them. His whole kind of Hashem was, what do you want from me? I'm not their parent. Means if you were their parent, I wouldn't say anything. I would take them no matter what. That's what he was saying. We're looking at it like, oh my God, he's complaining. No, we're saying the opposite thing. I'm not their parent, but if I was their parent, of course I would carry them up the mountain, no problem. So he said what, you know, so anyway, so I drove straight up, straight up. And I'm like, I need to talk to him. And I can't talk to him in the city the way I want. I drove straight up to Bear Mountains. It was a beautiful day. I get to my spot, get out of my car, I climb up there, I get to my spot. There's no one around. It was like six o'clock. There's no one around. It's beautiful. It's all quiet. And I, I start doing my thing and Hashem Elohim and Shema Yisrael. Whatever I do, whatever I do. And then um, I sort of close my eyes and I start to go inside and connect and, and ask questions and talk and whatever I'm doing, I'm doing. And there's no one around when I started it. And I'm like in a really good place and all of a sudden I get a tap on the shoulder. And I'm like, what? Because no one's supposed to be there. And there's a guy, a hiker. With the boots and the shorts and the guns of ice and the funny hat and the whole thing with the stick. And he's like, sir? I'm like, yes. He says, I think you should move. I said, excuse me? He said, well, if you look to your left, there's an eight-foot snake. And I look to my left, and there's an eight-foot black, mean-looking nachash. And I'm like... I guess the Sutton doesn't want me to be here right now. I just got up and I ran. I got out of there. But anyway, so, um, yeah, I have a picture of it. I have a little phone. You want, I could send it to a, I sent it to some iPhones and they looked at it and they're like, oh my gosh. If that guy wouldn't, I don't know, maybe it was an angel. That, that snake was a mean looking thing. And there's no people ever there. I don't know where he came from. He's like, I think you should move. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to move. He was very close to me, that snake. Anyway, so just, just, so, 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 yeah, so it's, it's hard, but sometimes you need to be alone. Sometimes you need to go, be alone and go away from everything and everyone and just connect to Hashem. I heard that Hashem's not even upset at Moshe when he was saying that because he did it alone. He was like, as you're saying, we're talking to Hashem. Right. Rachel said to Hashem, I'm not jealous of my sister and you're jealous of a bunch of dead Avoid Zara. That's even more chutzpah. And Hashem said, you said good. Said, you want to kill them? I'm not going to be in your chumash. The book's going to be missing my name. You're not going to have any book. Right? Hashem said, He wants you to talk to him. He doesn't want you to use obscenities, but he wants you to talk to him. If you're upset, talk to him. If you're happy, talk to him. If you're thankful, talk to him. If you don't understand something, talk to him. So you're not so lonely then. But everyone needs time. You need time. The problem with today is you're busy with the phones and all this noise and all that. You need to find yourself and you need to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I do not understand how people go through pain and challenges without God. I do not know. What do they, what do they say? Just a bad luck? Like, there's no God, so it's just like, I just, it's just bad luck? That's terrible to think you have bad luck. That there's no cheshbin. That something happened to you and there's no God cheshbin. No one, there's no, there's no reason. You just got sick. You just got to, whatever it is. You, this just happened to you. How could you live like that? Why me, not him? No, they're saying there's no God. 
I'm talking about the atheist. He doesn't believe in any God. So, so, so why are you sick? Bad luck. Just stuff happens. How could you, how could you live like that? So there's no cheshman. So I just, this person's living, has money. I'm poor because I have bad luck. How do you live like that? So if I'm poor, there's a region, there's a cheshman, it's a tikkun, it's a gilgul, it's a this, it's a that. There's a cheshman. How do you live with life? Life has no cheshman. It's very hard. It's very hard to live like that. Anyway, we went totally off the subject. I got, I don't know how I ended up in Bear Mountains with a snake, but whatever it is. What? There has to be a cheshman. That's all. You don't have to know the cheshman. You're not going to know the cheshman. You're not going to know the cheshman. But you know that there is a God and there is a reason to my existence and I'm here for a reason. Not just, I just, I didn't just happen. I'm not a flower. I'm not a blade of grass. Hashem created me and He put me here for a reason. There's a whole cheshman complex road that I have to take and an adventure and a life. Not that I'm just some piece of gravel on the road. That cars are running over. Yeah. If you're an atheist, that's what you believe. I'm just, I come from a monkey. I come from a, I come from a. Beautiful things. They also don't believe. How can I believe in God when you have a wife and kids and beautiful life? That's the reason. You have a wife, that's the reason to believe in God? Oh, I'm just kidding. Anyway, 100%. Yeah, well, not everyone has a car satov. So, different cheer, but sometimes we want to get rid of God because we don't want to answer to Him. So you can have beautiful things and say they just happen, which is really a mission that I want to get to tonight if I get to it. Anyway, you want to ask something? The Chama. Yeah, it's an interactive share tonight. I'm, I'm it's our first summer interactive share. Maybe it shouldn't be, but I regard my poetry as my destiny, as my legacy. It's your legacy, my right? Legacy. Right. It, it's brought down that every person should write a safer because because that lasts forever. A book lasts forever. I was very happy that I, that I, you know, I give a lot of shirim, but I'm very happy that I wrote a book. And that book is forever. Mitzvah Hashem. So that's a big thing. So it's going to be your legacy. You're going to have more than one book. I hope I have one. Right. Happy with one, but we're going to, we're going to have at least, once that book's going to get out, they're going to want more. Thank you. Mitzvah Hashem. I wrote a book, yeah. It's an Hebrew book. It's an Hebrew book, yeah. It's about gratitude. It's called Let There Be Rain. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. It's a lesson a day in gratitude. Okay, so, so that was, that was, he was a Kofi Tov. So over here, this is what happened. Listen to this Pasuk. Listen to this Pasuk. Oh, this must have hurt in Shemayim. Pasuk says the following. We came to the land, but the nation that we met in the land, said the Maraglim, the nation that we met were very strong. The cities were very big. People were dying. Amalek was in the south. The Chiti and Vusi and the Mori were in the mountains. The Canaanim were on the Yam. Were surrounded by enemies everywhere. And Kalev gets up. Kalev ben Yifuna gets up. And he says, Allah Nala, we went up. He said, we could do this. But they said, no. We can't go up against, we can't go into Israel. Because the nation in Israel, the nation, the Goyim that are there, they're going to destroy us. The Shamir Nathanafilim, and they saw the giants. Now here comes the one, I, said, I spoke today in a school. I think this is one of the biggest lessons that a person can ever get from Chomish. The Pesach says the following. Now these, these ten Muraglim spies are talking to the whole Jewish nation. And this is what they say. When we met the giants, in our eyes, 
Kichagavim. We were grasshoppers. And in the eyes of the giants, we were grasshoppers. How do you know what you are in the eyes of someone else? How could they say that in the eyes of the, of the giants, we were grasshoppers? You don't know what the, what the giants think you are. I, I don't know what I am in your eyes, right? I don't, unless you tell me, right? But if I just walk by you, you don't say anything to me, and we meet each other. I don't know what you think of me, right? So here, they're making a statement to the whole Israel that in the eyes of the giants, us spies, and they were tall. Moshe Rabbeinu was 20 feet tall. He was 10 hours tall. In the eyes of the giants, we were grasshoppers. Says Rashi, something even stranger. Rashi says, where did that come from? How did they know what the giants thought of them? And if the giants saw them, they would have killed them. Right? So the giants didn't even see them. So how do you know what the giants think of you? Says Rashi, how did they know? Listen to this. Shamanu, we heard, Omrim, Zelazer, we heard the giants talking to each other, saying, Nimalim, Yesh Kanashim, there are there are ants. Right? So, the Pussy tells us something fascinating. It doesn't say that in the giant's eyes we were grasshoppers, so we felt like grasshoppers. It says the opposite. It says that in our eyes we were grasshoppers, so in the giant's eyes we were grasshoppers. What they were saying is that what you think of yourself is what you project to others. So if you think you're a grasshopper, then other people are going to think that you're a grasshopper. If you think you're a giant and you can do anything, then other people are going to think that you can do anything. So the Pusik didn't come and say, well, the giants thought we were grasshoppers, so we felt like a bunch of grasshoppers. No. They said first, in our own eyes, we felt so small. We felt like nobody. So I guess in their eyes, we look like nobody. And I was talking to the girls today, and I was telling them, that's what you, what you project, right? What a person projects, what you think of yourself is what other people think of you. If you think you can make it, then other people think you can make it. If you think you're a loser, then other people think you're a loser. And what happened when Kleistral heard that? Until this point, they said they were giants, and they were huge, and the cities were huge, and their enemies all over the place. And the Jews were very cool. They didn't, they didn't lose their composure. But the minute these ten leaders, spies, said, we feel like grasshoppers, the Jews fell apart. Because if their leaders feel like grasshoppers, then what should they feel like? Then they feel like nothing. So what happens? The next part... Because Eov died, and they had a law in that in in Canaan in in in, in Canaan that they, they the, all the bodies of the people that died they kept in the house, and then when a great tzaddik a great leader died, they would take all the bodies and bury it together. I guess they did it in Egypt also with the pharaohs. They would bury all the people together with that leader when they buried them. So when they came to Israel, I believe Eov was the one that died. I think it was Eov. Um, and he was the leader. So when they came to Israel, all of a sudden they saw hundreds of funerals. They were like, oh my God, it's a land where everyone dies. We don't want to go here. But Hashem did it for the opposite reason. He made, he made them all have the funerals. They were all busy with the funerals. They didn't see the spies. So Hashem made it happen on that day. They would all be busy with funerals. So Hashem did it for their good. They turned it around. 
So they lost it. When they found out that their leader said that, they lost it. So what happens? What do they say? They all cried. And what did they say? You took us out here to die? You took us out here to die by the sword? No shame to our wives, to our babies. You know what? It would be much better for us to go back to Mitzrayim. And here is why all the Jews died in, in and they were not forgiven. And one Jewish man said to the other, Nitna Rosh, let's get a new leader. Forget him, forget Moshe. And let's go back to Mitzrayim. The ultimate, Kafi Tov. Hashem's like, I don't understand. Ten Makos. Kriyas Yamsuf. Everything I did for you in Mitzrayim. Everything I did was for what? To take you to Israel. And now, you're turning around and saying, Let's get a new leader and let's go back to Mitzrayim that I took you out of. This is the ultimate ingrate. The ultimate kafitov. So just like Adam wasn't forgiven for being a kafitov and he was punished, they were not forgiven for being a kafitov. I took you out of Egypt and now you're telling me you want to go back to Egypt? Kafitov is an ingrate, a person who has no appreciation. Kafitov means a, um, the opposite, a, a person who Denies good. Denies good. Kafwa is denies, Taif is good. Person who denies good. So they did what Adam did. I took you out. I gave Makis. I took you out of a trauma. I did Kriyas Yasim. I gave you Mun. I gave you Slav. I gave you a, 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 a rock that gave water, Miriam's rock. I, I kept you covered with all the, with all the clouds. I did all this. Now you come here and what do you say? I want to go back to where you took me out of. Hashem said, Dunsky, this nation as it is right now, cannot go into Eretz Yisrael. Because if the midah of being an ingrate, of denying good, I cannot bring that into Israel. That cannot be the beginning of the Jewish nation going into Eretz Yisrael. That midah of ingrate has to die in the midbar. So no one's making it out, except for the two that were not ingrates, which was Yeshua and Kalev. But the rest of you, you have a midah in you, a trait in you of unappreciation, you're not bringing that into Israel. So Hashem cleaned it out. And that's why the Egel, the Egel had nothing to do with non-appreciation. They thought Moshe was dead. They were missing a leader. The dead, the dead. They created a Zara. Hashem said, I forgive you. That's not a midah. It wasn't a midah. You made a mistake. This is a midah. No. I don't forgive you. You all have to die. And Kachaya, they all died. Evet syndrome. They had that Evet syndrome. It just doesn't matter where the syndrome's coming from. The bottom line is they were Kachaya died. You, you, the court. No, but forget the origin. You can't bring that into Eretz Yisrael. Why, why the person has a broken arm, you know, has both arms cut off, I still can't put him in my baseball team. It's not his fault, but I can't put him on my baseball team. He has no arms. So here, you're saying it's not their fault. It was, it was the Erev Rav, so it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the reason that you're saying. But Lamaisa, you, you, you have this Mida, and this cannot, so this cannot go into that soon. They all died. Why did everybody that, everybody that was of a certain age, 
died in the midbar. They were all they were all in on it. They were all in on it, except for Kalev and and and, and Yehoshua. Now, and, and the reason is, you see, the reason why did this happen? So the, the truth is, why, how could this happen? Hashem took them to go into Eretz Yisrael. So the, here you are, all of us. So you're saying about the mentality. You're right. So, so the same God that split the Hamsuf, Mitzrayim was the greatest nation in the world, the biggest army, the biggest black magic that didn't let any slave ever leave. So we saw that God did all this. So why am I scared of going to Israel? Right? I, I saw all this already. And the answer is, if you look at everything they said, they left on their report, they left Hashem out of their report. They came back, God had nothing to do with the report. Big people, big nation, people dying. They didn't say, but we have God. They left them out, totally. So, so without Hashem, you are, you are a grasshopper. You're right. Without Hashem, you can't, you can't do it. They forgot. So, so I just heard some, someone tell me a very beautiful, so, so, the, the, the question in your head is, how could they forget? How could they forget? They forgot that, that, that Hashem did, that he, that he took him across the Yamsuf? They forgot, right? So somebody told me this week that even though they were a, a Dordea, they didn't have Bitochon. What does that mean they didn't have Bitochon? Whatever they, whatever they saw, they believed. But they never believed anything they didn't see. Slav, how are we going to have slav? How are we going to have water? They, so they, whatever they saw, they believed. So you, they saw Yitzhak Mitzrayim. They saw the Makos. They saw all the miracles. Now they're coming to Israel, right? And they saw big people, giants, and all this other stuff. So they weren't Balbitachon. If I tell you it's dark outside, you don't believe in me. You don't even believe me. You believe what you see. It's dark outside. If I tell you right now there's an eclipse and the sun is out. Rabbi, what are you talking about? It's bright outside. The sun is out. And you believe me at, at 10 o'clock at night? So then you'll be tochon. So it's an interesting thing. They were holy people, but they only believed what they saw. So when it says that there was a shifcha, that the shifcha, the lowest maidservant at the, at the Kriyas Yamsov saw Hashem, so if the lowest maidservant, you can imagine what, right, what the other people saw? Yeah, what they saw, but whatever they didn't see, they didn't believe in. They didn't have Bitochon. Someone told me that this week. And that was the problem. That's what happened here. And that's another reason they could not go into Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is Nikna B'Yisurim. You have to suffer to get Eretz Yisrael. The whole, the whole, the whole, uh, doesn't say, I don't think it says the number, but the whole generation. The whole generation. Only 20 and under, I believe. It was 20 and under that went into Eretz Yisrael. Anyone above 20 didn't make, didn't go. So it's a very big lesson this week's parsha. Very big lesson. And the taka, they ripped their clothing. Yeshua and Kalev. You see, it's not. Ah, now listen to this. Pasig Zion. Yeshua. The difference between the other, the other. Um, Spies and Yeshua and Kalev was the following. They ripped their clothing and they said to Yisrael, We we saw the same land as the other ten. The land is very very good. If Hashem wants, ah, they brought Hashem in. He brought us to this point. 
He'll give us the land. Don't rebel against Hashem. And, and don't, and don't, and don't fear these people. They're, they're, they're our bread. We're going to eat them up alive. We don't, we don't have to be scared of them, right? They don't, their protection, Hashem's going to remove from them. They're not going to be able to fight us. Hashem itano altirum. Hashem is with us. Don't be scared. So they they were the opposite. The the the, the Moroccan didn't mention Hashem. They're like, you're right. We're grasshoppers, but connected to Hashem. We we're, we're great. What happened? Last pasuk. So the whole congregation said, Let's stone them. They wanted to stone Yoshua and Kalev to death because they got up and said. These guys are wrong. Hashem said, you're not stoning nobody to death. And Hashem appeared by the Omer. They all got scared, of course, and they didn't, um, they didn't stone him. So the, the, the lesson over here, and I go, I talk about this since I started speaking all together. The lesson over here is that without Hashem, you're nobody. And with Hashem, you're everybody. And these two, Kalev and Yoshua, they weren't scared of anything because they said there's nothing to be scared of. We have God. The other ten. Now, why did these other ten, there were big tzaddikim that went. They didn't pick regular people. What happened? Very big lesson here. What happened? So we talked about the last couple, I wasn't here, but I spoke to the boys about rationalization. What what creeped into them that made them talk bad about Eretz Yisrael? With Lashon Hara, we spoke about Eretz Yisrael. Because... They had something to lose. Their jobs were they were the head of each tribe. But the minute they went into Eretz Yisrael, they would be a king. And once they're a king, they don't have a job anymore. So they had a monetary, they had a, 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 a subtle reason in the back of their head that they didn't want it. So they rationalized it and they turned it into a whole thing. But the truth was, they didn't want to lose their jobs. There's one shot that they, they that, that that until now they had the mon and the water and they could learn all day and now they're going to go to Eretz they're going to have to work and build and and have crops and everything so they were from they were like for Hashem we don't want to go in we want to still learn all day <laughs> Hashem told you to go to Eretz don't start making up stories no rationalization no rationalization the reason is the reason and don't rationalize it okay so he he says here is very interesting. Very fascinating. I, ne- I never knew this. It seems to be brought in Kabbalah. Well, first of all, about my DNA book, which is not out yet, um, about spiritual DNA. Just very interesting. When it names the Shvatim, in this week's Pasha, when it names the, the Shvatim of the, the Nasim who went, so of course it's, it's not good, all these guys that went. So it says the following. The Elish Lamate Ruvain. To the tribe of Reuven, Shemua ben Zacha, Lamati Shimon, Shabbat Mechari, Lamati Yehuda, Kalib ben Yifuna, Lamati Yisachar, Yigo ben Yosef, Lamati Ephraim, Hoshea ben Nun, Lamati ben Yamin, Palti ben Rafa, Lamati Zvulun, Gedil ben Saisi, and then it says something we don't understand. Lamati Yosef, Lamati Menashe, Gadi ben Susi. Why? It should say, by, by Ephraim, it didn't say Lamati Yosef, Lamati Ephraim. Menashe, Yosef's not a tribe. Menashe and Ephraim are tribes. So it should say, Lamate Menashe. 
Where does Yosef come into this? Where does Yosef come into this? And the only time that it says Yosef with, a, with one of his two kids, it always says Yosef and Ephraim, not Yosef and Menashe. So the Kashi is over here. It should say, Lamate Menashe, Gadi Ben Susi. Why does it say Lamate Yosef? It's a punishment to Yosef. Why? Because in Mate Ephraim, who came from Mate Ephraim? Hoshea ben Nun, Yoshua. Yoshua was protected. He didn't speak Lashon Hara. But from the Mate of Menashe came Gadi ben Susi. He did speak Lashon Hara. Why? This is because the DNA, how come he wasn't protected? Ephraim was protected because he spoke Lashon Hara on his brothers. So it was a punishment because he spoke Lashon Hara on his brothers. His name is mentioned in the greatest story of Lashon Hara that ever happened in Klai Yisrael, when the Klai Yisrael spoke Lashon Hara on Eretz Yisrael. So Yosef's name gets slept into this week's Pasha, Pasha Shlach, because you spoke Lashon Hara on your brothers. And now we're going to mention you when we talk about Lashon Hara. Yeah, that was his punishment. How careful we have to be not to speak Lashon Hara. You know how many generations, you know how much, how many generations since Yosef? The terrorist says, Lamate Yosef, yes, you had a Nazi that spoke Lashon Hara, Gadi Ben Susi. Yes, we're bringing your name in here. Even though your name doesn't belong, it should say Ephraim and Menashe. You spoke Lashon Hara. Hundreds of years later, it's repeated again. Because you spoke Lashon Hara. What we do, spiritual DNA, which we create, is amazing. Okay. So this is just, this is just a fascinating thing. I never learned this before. Um, it's brought down in the Targum Yonis and Benozil, which says very interesting stuff. Like last week, it talked about the, the two brothers of Moshe Rabbeinu that nobody knows about, Eldad and Medad. Right? You think you know Moshe Rabbeinu? Right? Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. No. When when Yocheved and Amram separated, Yonis and Benozil said Yocheved remarried, and she had two sons, Eldad and Medad. So Moshe Rabbeinu has two brothers that we don't know about, Eldad and Medad. And so Yonatan Benazil, I read it last week in, in the voice share. Okay, listen to this. So, Moshe Rabbeinu changed Hoshea ben Nun, right? His Talmud's mm-hmm. name was Hoshea ben Nun. But Yikra Moshe lo Hoshea ben Nun, Yehoshua. He changed it into a Yud. Okay? So the Targum Yonatan Benazil says that Moshe Rabbeinu realized that Yehoshua, his Talmud, who cleaned up the Svarim, so put the table out and the chairs, he was very humble. And he, Moshe Rabbeinu was scared to change Yoshua's name. Why? This is fascinating. So he says that when we come back to life, that's what you brought down, that Hashem will bring in Mason people back to life according to the Aleph Beis. Avraham first, then Binyamin, then God. All right, I'm not so bad. I'm Zion. I'm Zechariah. Hope he doesn't start with Shimon, then I'm all the way at the end. But, you know, my, my name starts with a Zion, right? If your name is Abigail, you're good to go. You're number one, right? So, this is interesting. So that's how Hashem is doing Tchiyat He's doing it in alphabetical order. Fascinating. Right? Starting with Aleph, ending with Tuf. So there's some people that are like, oh my God, my name is Rachel. Am I ever going to get out of here? Right? So, Reish, right? So listen to what he says, though. The Tav Yerushin says the following. But... Before the Aleph phase, before Hashem goes by your name, He's going to do Tchir Samesim with people who are humble. 
So a person who's not a, who's a humble person and not a big shot, they go first. So he was very scared. Unbelievable, Tiger Anderson here. He was very scared that if he's going to change Hoshea ben Nun to Yehoshua, Yehoshua's going to be very upset. I'm hey, I'm hey, right? So it's only five. I only have to wait five. Now you made me yud. No, I got to wait double. You're going to be angry at Moshe Ben. What'd you do? You took me from hey to yud. But Moshe Ben said, but since Hoshea is is humble, so he's going to go before anybody anyway. So it won't bother him that I'm changing a hey to a yud. Godless. So if you if you start with a reish, get humble. <laughs> if your name is Shani, get very humble. If your name is Tamara, start getting really humble. Okay. What? Of course. What do you mean? You think you think all the men are going to get up and be single? <laughs> ah, that's Elam Haba. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Anyway, no, sure, women and women and men and families in Mitzvah Hashem and what? Women are not mechayiv mitzvahs only because man garama because since the, we know that they're busy with their families, so if you have a certain mitzvah that has a certain time, it's not fair to the woman because how's she going to do it? So you're putting her in a position where she's going to fail. So any mitzvah that has a specified time, being that you're busy with your families, right? Okay, I want to end with a. Fascinating story. Short, very short. Anyway, that's just, I never knew that about Tzitzit Mason. That's very cool. That's very cool. Um, she says the following. It's about this lady. It's uh, it's in this sefer called Olin Shabayah, But it's it's brought down. You have to know where I read it from. You have to... It's brought down in a Targum, Yonis Simbin Azil. It's in a... If you get him a Kroos Gedolos, then you'll be able to see it. How do we know it's true? Target me understand? What? It's in English. Yeah, you have to get this. The best. The best. The best stories. But I want to tell you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The story about this woman. Unbelievable story about this woman. Um, this is the one you want. Trust me. The story about a woman, hold on, let me see if I can find it, otherwise, oh, listen to this, this is beautiful, so uh, you'll appreciate this story, um, a certain Gadol Hadar related the following stories, which um, he was a Gadol, and he, they asked him, to what do you attest that you became a Gadol Hadar, like what did your parents do? He was a very big, very big guy. I'm not going to say who it was, but he was a very big guy. So someone, one of the Talmudim said, like, so, like, how were you brought up? Like, what, what happened? Like, why are you a guy? And other people are not a guy. So he says the following story. He says that my father once came home and he brought my mother a beautiful gold necklace. This guy's father came home and brought his mother a beautiful gold necklace as a gift. And he said, the guy said, I knew that my parents' financial situation wasn't good. And a gift of this magnitude was a crazy sacrifice on my father's part. So my mother was also shocked to receive the gift, so she asked my father. And this kid is in the room, right, when, it's, when the father gives the gift, which is a nice thing. Kids should see that the parents have a relationship. So he said, she said, what do I deserve to this necklace? It's not Shabbos. It's not Yontif, right? She didn't say it's not my anniversary. Because I guess they were on this level. They weren't talking about anniversary. She said, it's not Shabbos, it's not Yontif. Because the man has a chiv to buy a Yontif a gift. So this boy, this Rosh Hashiva is saying, so my father answered my mother, that I met our son's Rebbe today, and he described to me 
that our son, I guess this was the Gadol, is learning, um, is learning unbelievable, and he has unbelievable Yerash Shemayim, of Hashem. Right? So the Rebbe told me this. He said, he's so impressed with our son, that he predicts that he will become a Gadol Hadar. This is the Gadol Hadar is telling this to this guy. I was thrilled to hear this news, um, because I'm not home during the day, and you are the only one, this is the husband saying to his wife, so he says, I was thrilled to hear this from the Rebbe, and because I'm not home during the day, and you are the one who is raising our son, I decided to buy you a gift as a token of my appreciation to you. Said the Gadol, I was home when this happened, and I overheard the entire conversation from the, from the next room. This conversation imbued me with the intense love for Torah, since it showed me how much joy I brought my parents with my Torah learning. From that time, I have not stopped learning for even a moment. Incidentally, the father was very wise to show his child that when good things happen to a family, the husband should give credit to his wife and not to himself. I can't end on a better note. (laughs) You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.